0: Welcome to the global edition of our NetGroup investment quarterly highlights, where we profile some of the interesting takeouts from our recent fund manager workshop with our best of breed managers. To hear the full fund manager presentations or for more information about our funds, visit the NetGroup website or access more about our content via LinkedIn, YouTube and podcast channels. In this episode, we discuss what has been the driving force behind the negative returns of most global markets year to date. We unpack why the dollar has strengthened dramatically over the course of the year compared to other major currencies. We also talk to a seasoned emerging markets portfolio manager about China's Communist Party Congress before we discuss an interesting banking stock from a behavioral finance perspective. We end this podcast with a deep dive into Meta and share some of our portfolio managers' concerns with this stock. This year has been a challenging environment for investors. Persistent inflation and interest rate hikes have made the global investment landscape difficult to navigate. Tony Cousins talks us through how we got here. So what's caused
1: the problems in the last year? I think this is a culmination of many, many years of central banks printing too much money. Here we see central bank balance sheets, and this reflects just how much money they've printed. Uh, Before 2008, nobody really printed money, maybe Zimbabwe, Argentina, but it really wasn't a legitimate monetary policy tool. The ravages of the financial crisis uh, legitimized this, but with the benefit of hindsight, it was used fairly sparingly by central banks. Uh, Between 2008 and 2020, they printed about $9 trillion dollars. However, when COVID arrived, they really went into overdrive and they printed $12 trillion in the space of two years. Now, one of the ex-Fed governors, Ben Bernanke, has just won a Nobel Economics Prize for his work on the Great Depression, which showed that if you print enough money, you will cause uh, inflation. And that is exactly what has happened here. We see that inflation has risen very sharply and is now a persistent problem that the central banks have to deal with. They've been asleep at the wheel, partly because whatever they threw at markets and economies over the previous 10 years, inflation just bumbled along at uh, 2%. But with this massive injection of liquidity over the last two years, it has now broken out and presented them with a real problem as it approaches double-digit figures in some countries. And the problem is that uh, the inflation having become entrenched is very sticky now. It's being driven really by two factors. One is rents, shelter, which is a big weighting within the inflation basket. But the worst type of inflation is wage inflation. And that is what we are now starting to see. Because this has not been a a transitory phenomenon, as many central bankers thought it would be, it has become persistent within economies and workers want to be compensated for it. And we must remember that wages have been suppressed for a very long time. Margins at US corporations have gone up 10 percentage points at the expense of labor over the last 30 years and they want some of this back. So this is what is happening now. And in order to alleviate this, we are going to have to see the Federal Reserve and other central banks around the world try and crush these demands and that means in all likelihood a recession and the rise in unemployment that is required to suppress these wage demands.
0: Nearly every asset class has seen miserable returns in 2022 except for the dollar. The US dollar index which measures the greenback against a basket of other currencies is up nearly 17 percent so far this year. Tony Cousins sheds some light on why the dollar has strengthened so much.
1: It's been so strong, despite being expensive already, because the US Fed, I think, has been particularly aggressive compared to other central banks in its raising of rates. The ECB has talked a lot about it, not done a lot. The Bank of Japan hasn't done anything because it has to keep its yields low in order to purchase JGBs. And the Bank of England basically just moves from one calamitous situation to another, uh, as our politicians really don't do a very good job in the UK. But you know, the Bank of England and ECB will need to, to act because they have inflationary problems as well. And as they catch up with the Fed, I think that's likely to be a trigger for the US dollar to peak out at this eye-wateringly expensive level.
0: Markets had a negative reaction to the outcome of China's 20th Communist Party Congress, in particular President Xi Jinping's comments on Taiwan. Tim Bray shares his thoughts on the Congress and outlook for the Chinese economy. The comments on Taiwan are always going to attract all the uh, the media attention. They were pretty consistent with what's been said before. You know, there was also a lot of focus on the real economy. And uh, China wants to invest in things like science and education and you know, become much more independent. There's obviously a bit of a war going on with, in the semis semiconductor industry and so self sufficiency is a really important thing for China. And we, we we're always looking to buy companies, buy stocks that are actually helping the Chinese government achieve their goals. We think they're the ones that will will outperform. So we're looking at new economy stocks, green economy stocks. And so we, we're we we do not see any significant change in, in the situation with Taiwan, it's a, you know, he's made a commitment that he, uh, he wants it resolved by this administration, it's not a problem that's to be left for future generations. But I suspect he's going to be around for 10 years, so that could be some way off. Technology companies were some of the biggest winners during the early stages of the pandemic as people's lives moved online, but growth has been harder to find this year. Stephen Romick shares his thoughts on allocating to the sector, which has declined nearly forty percent year to date.
2: Well, the whole world's re-rated, and many of these companies are, you know, that we've 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 added we've added certain other tech-related names. Um, you, know, you know to the portfolio we've had the tech related exposure to the convertible bonds but as long as this market has declined we've also seen other opportunities in other businesses that that are down you know similar amounts so it's not you know a negative statement about you know some if we don't add to a company it's not necessarily a negative statement that we no longer like that business but we might see other better opportunities to allocate capital in you know in uh, you know around the world.
0: Marco Colantonio shares his outlook for the office sector and how he has positioned this sector in the portfolio.
3: We think that there's gonna be a hybrid working environment probably persisting for um, uh, for a much longer period of time. Uh, you know, Generally, uh, there's still an environment where there's a war for talent, uh, particularly in the tech industry. So they're finding it very difficult to enforce a return to office for their tech employees. And I think a lot of people are realising that the commute is you know, a bit of a challenge for them on a day-to-day basis. So while we have strong employment markets, you're probably going to see you know, elevated levels of hybrid work continue. The reality is, is that we're entering into a relatively softer economic environment as well. That's never good for office markets. So when you combine the two, um, we think that you know the, um, the cash flow profile, the incentives required to attract tenants and the need for modern and attractive buildings Means that it's just a challenging time for landlords. They need to spend a lot of capex for, uh, in a market where they're struggling for, for pricing power. So we prefer to, to remain underweight and sit on the sidelines and, and wait for better opportunities later
0: on. Banking stocks have only featured in the past two years in Ben Features' portfolio. He had deliberately avoided them due to behavioural concerns of management teams in the industry. As the sector emerges from its lost decade following the financial crisis, he explains more about an interesting banking stock which he has added to his portfolio.
2: DBS Group is a Singaporean bank. We, Generally speaking, our, you know, banks have come, come in over the last two years for us in the, in the portfolio, so that's a kind of new theme on a, on a two-year view. DBS Group is an interesting one because uh, Singapore is obviously a very sophisticated market. It's one where this bank is sort of doesn't have the tech debt of a lot of banks struggle with. And that means that it has a very clean operating model, relatively low costs, and it's basically benefiting from a sort of relatively benign environment, for net interest margin. So mm. it's surprising on net interest margins and loan growth and all of that kind of thing is basically absolutely fine for it. So it's basically a, a strong growthy kind of bank in an area that uh, Singapore within within Asia doesn't look risky. So it's got the environment behind it and it looks different to its peer group. So that has that basically it's just been able to surprise in the way that we had hoped.
0: Meta shares tumbled 24% last week to its lowest level in nearly four years following a disappointing earnings report. Andrew Headley discusses his three main concerns about Meta and why he's still holding it in the portfolio.
4: Meta has been hit really by three things in 2022. So uh, as you can see on this slide, the cost of the Metaverse, 12 billion or so in 2022. So maybe Zuckerberg's uh, vanity project. Also. IOS changes that were made during 2021 are still impacting the company. So it's impacted the way that they can target customers and also impacted the way that they measure the benefit of their advertising. And then thirdly, we've got competition from TikTok. So TikTok is obviously short form video. It's got 1.2 billion subscribers and they are taking some share in terms of the amount of time that people spend on social media apps. Uh, And then lastly, there might be a small impact from economic slowdown on digital advertising, although that hasn't really come through yet, as we can see from uh, Google's numbers. So we think that the big three impacts are of Metaverse, the iOS changes from Apple, and the competition from short-form video are actually all overstated. We still think that, that Facebook and Instagram, and to a lesser degree WhatsApp, occupy a place in social media that cannot be replicated by the likes of TikTok they use to create communities and communicate between communities and this is not what's done on TikTok. We talk to many experts in the field and they tell us that the return on advertising for their customers, so these are digital ad agencies, they tell us that the return on advertising is still very high for Facebook adverts. And so we are very confident that uh, actually Meta does remain very relevant. So we're we're relatively relaxed about uh, the threat from TikTok over the long term. We think from the loss of signal from iOS that Facebook is in the best place to circumvent that that issue from Apple and actually over time it will create a barrier to entry for everybody else. And then the cost of Metaverse, we do agree with most investors that this might be wasting money. It's binary as an outcome, so we don't know whether it'll be successful or not. We would actually ascribe very low probability to it being successful. But having said that, we think that if it's not successful, Mark Zuckerberg will stop the investment after some time. So we've put in $50 billion of cost overall into our models, and we've written that off as a one-off cost. And despite all of that, we think that the company looks extremely cheap at this
0: juncture. You can access more information about all the Fund Manager workshops at NetGroup Investments website, YouTube, or through our podcast channels on all major platforms. This has been your Net Group Investments quarterly briefing. Make sure to check back at the end of January 2023 for our next edition.